We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri. Uh, continuing Cavs Preview Week. That's the name. That's the name of what we're doing this week. Cavs Preview Week. Um, with another esteemed guest. Uh, he has been writing about the Knicks now for two years, almost two full seasons in the books on the Knicks beat. Um, he doesn't have a car with alligators on it. Or any other animals, I don't think. But um, we won't hold that against him too much here today. Hello, Fred Katz of The Athletic. Hello, Jonathan Macri of Knicks Film School. Uh, I will add, Cavs preview. I like how you say Cavs preview week, and then you feel the need to clarify that you're calling it that. As if it's not like self-explanatory. Well, Yeah, because very, very uh, creative. <laughs> I was fumbling my way with Benji last night because we recorded the we recorded last night um, about like what we what I was calling this week. And I was, you know, like an idiot. I was like, is there a name for this? And then afterwards, Andrew was like, it's Cavs preview week. So that is what we are calling it. Um, I hope well, that's you okay. were very cavalier about going about that name. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> I I haven't even thought once to make that joke either on a pod yet or in in the newsletter. And I That's why you think, bring me on. I think less of myself that I didn't think of that because it's right there. Uh, I hope that's not the only such cavalier joke you'll make. That's why I come here just to kind of lower the average podcast intelligence. I appeal to the lowest common denominator, you know, just making horrendous puns and writing about Mitchell Robinson dick jokes and that's it. Did did you officially get nominated for the Pulitzer yet or did they go just straight to the Nobel Peace Prize for cuz I think I think the the likelihood of world peace increased by a not insignificant margin after that piece dropped. 100%. Send Mitchell Robinson to Israel and just have him talk about riding D trains. And everything will be fine. <laughs> Gandhi had his thing. Mitchell Robinson 
dick jokes on the back of the post. I mean, six and one half dozen the other, really. Um, we're off to a rousing start. There you go. Um, we're going to talk about players in this series uh, between the Knicks and Cavs. Um, but we're going to... So, a little behind the scenes. Andrew thought it would be Andrew Claudio, who has his finger on the pulse of popular conversation. Let's let's call it. Um, was like, I think it would be cool if you guys ranked all of the players in this series because that is what the people are doing in the in the Twitter sphere. So both me and Fred were like, you know what would be far more interesting than that is like talking about who are the most important players in the series because that kind of gets us lets us get into kind of more nooks and crannies. And we we came upon a compromise of we'll do a quick ranking of like the best players in the series and then we'll get into who's actually important and what we mean by important and all of the things that come with that. Um, I have to say, Fred, when I sat down to do this exercise, I was like, this is going to be kind of rote and not very interesting. I actually found it an interesting thought exercise to go one to 20. What, what, what say you? I didn't go one to 20 because I don't think there are going to be 20 players who play in this series. <laughs> okay. One to was 50, I su- whatever. How many was did I you go? Was I supposed to go one to 20? No. How, how you, I, we go I, I however went, many and I, you went. I went like one to 17 because those are the players I anticipate being in the series. That's fine. And if you're just like, like I didn't put like Deuce McBride because I don't anticipate him getting legitimate playing time. Why do you, you know? hate Deuce McBride? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> you wrote a great story about Deuce McBride last summer. I know you don't hate Deuce McBride. You actually really what like a, Deuce McBride. What, what a way to start off. This is Zach of a time. Okay, so who's the best player in the series? I think it's fairly obvious. Uh, I The only question about is there a gap between number one and number two? For, Donovan Mitchell is the best player in the series. Where do you do you think there deserves to be a gap between him and Jalen Brunson or no? Yeah, I mean, if I, I don't have a vote this year, I've been a voter three times before, but I don't have one this year. I, if I were a voter, um, and I I can't say this with a million percent certainty because when I am a voter, I spend way too much time just like studying numbers, looking at film, everything like that. I think I spend like like way too much time to the point that people make fun of me on how much time that I spend. Um, among other things, but I would I would have Donovan Mitchell first team All NBA. Yeah, I thought so. So yes, I'd say there's a gap. Like he's he's first team All NBA in my mind. He has been absolutely unbelievable this season. Not only would I have him first team All NBA, I think he would be the first guard on my first team All NBA. Like I think he has had the best season of and when you when you factor in just like. You know, I don't think he's the best guard in the NBA because Curry exists, but I wouldn't have Curry on my all NBA because he didn't play enough. Like when you just factor all those things in playing time, all that, I think he's had the best season of any guard in the NBA this year. Um, I think the last couple weeks, not the last couple weeks, the last month really from Dallas made the made it easy to put. Mitchell, along with, for me, SGA, I'm assuming would be the other. Or do you have Doncic still first team? I don't know. One of those two. Okay. So that's fair. But yeah. you said Mitchell's your first your first guard selection. Yeah. Mitchell um, would be the guy. I mean, he'd, he'd be the... I, I would have I would have Donovan Mitchell on my MVP ballot. I, I put him fifth. I would have him fifth. Um, yeah. And people like are going to... Bontemps, when Bontemps did the the last straw poll, I, I, had, I had Donovan Mitchell five. Okay. Um, yeah. And people are going to yell and scream about that and be like, how 
so you think there's a gap between Donovan Mitchell and the guy that that um, abused Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs last year and abused Donovan Mitchell in Cleveland a month ago. And I think, again, this is where the rankings, the, like this is an overall ranking of the best players in the series. Donovan Mitchell made twice as many pull-up threes per game at a higher efficiency rate this season. And yes, that is only one stat. It is such a massive stat when it comes down to the impact that a player can have on a defense. And I say this as someone who's been trying to figure out how the hell the Knicks stop the Cavs, um, which we'll get into. Like that has such an impact on a defense. Um, defensively, they're probably six and one. I have Mitch, I have Brunson second, by the way. Who do you have number two? I should say we should go to that. I have Brunson second too. Yeah. Okay. Defensively, I feel like it's six and one, half dozen the other. Um uh, there are other aspects of Brunson's game that are certainly better than Mitchell's game. But like they're, I don't know. For me, it just comes down to the the, the gravity, um, the immense amount of gravity out on the perimeter. Is there anything else for you that's like a big deciding thing? No, I mean I, honestly, I don't think it's much of a conversation. I think it's it's pretty clearly Mitchell one, Brunson two. I think okay. anybody's list would have Mitchell one, Brunson two. I have Randall three. Me too. Okay. I, I have Randall three also. <laughs> Did you by the about, way, we're operating yeah. we're operating under the assumption that Randall is at hundred percent health, which we obviously don't know. Yes. But for the sake of ranking the best players, it just makes things easier to say, okay, Julius Randall's hundred percent healthy. Uh and 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 we we're gonna get an update on him by later this week at the latest, and, and we'll have a better idea on what's going on with the ankle, but Nick's beat reporter, Fred Katz, is Julius Randle playing in this series? <laughs> hey, you know, I'm a reporter. I'm a reporter. What a what a horrific start to the podcast. This is no, this is great. This is just going. This is exceptional. Right. Is Julius Randle playing in this series? Yeah. You know what? You started off by not taking advantage of the fact that you have a reporter who's there every day and and is around the players every day and not taking advantage of that and asking that question. And I am going to show you why you didn't ask that question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. Um, Who knows? I, I, Who knows? Uh, it, it's uh, He's going to get evaluated again later this week. Uh, and and we're gonna see and and look, you know how the Knicks are. You know how secretive the Knicks are with stuff. My guess is even if they are one hundred percent certain that he's playing today, like let's say let's say hypothetically, making this up, everyone on the team from the medical staff to Tibbs to Leon Rose to Julius himself, everybody on the team is hundred percent certain he's a hundred percent healed, and they have him packed in bubble wrap. And they know that he's going to be fine. He's not allowed to leave his home over the next five days. They know he is going to be playing in game one on Saturday. He will be listed as questionable in game time decision. Like that, that is, that is just how they operate. That's how they do it. I so hope somebody clips the portion that of you saying they know he's playing uh, on Saturday and, and aggregates it and puts it out there. Uh, okay. Randall's three. I have Garland four. I have Mobley four. You have Mobley four. Oh, okay. I have Mobley five. Who do you have five? Yeah. 
Garland five. Garland's a great player. Mobley is, had one of the five best defensive seasons in the league this year. Uh, he he's he's just a world changer on defense. And I'm just kind of waiting. If I were the Knicks, I'd be really scared of the of the oh crap, this is the Evan Mobley leap yes. series. I because that's gonna come at some yeah. point, whether it's yeah. this series, whether it's a Buck series, whether it's next year, like at some point that's coming. It's like, oh whoa, Evan Mobley just took it to another level and changed the playoff series. And it could come in any second because he's that good. He's gonna be an all NBA player in my mind. Yes. So I, I would I would be horrified of that. Uh and just defensively puts it over the top. Garland is not well, I guess this might factor a little more into important versus better. But to me, Garland is does a lot of the same stuff Mitchell does at a very high level, by the way. He's a but very good. good point guard. And he's a he's a better passer than Mitchell. He is a better, uh, yes. Thank you. Yeah. He's actually a really underrated passer. He's a really good passer, like a really good passer. Uh, great at creating threes. Great at getting middle. Great at creating threes. I, I love Garland's game. I think he's really good. But to me, Garland defensively, you can exploit. Mobley's more of a two-way guy. Uh, he's a good passer. I think he's going to be a really, really tough matchup for the Knicks, especially if, uh, especially if Randall's not able to play. But we can talk about that. In most important. Yeah. Um. I. I just, the way the league is now, if you have a guard who can do the things that Darius Garland can do, which again, may not be as good as Donovan Mitchell, but as we just discussed, Donovan Mitchell is going to be probably may finish fifth in MVP. So that's, there's no shame in that. Um, And I, I put Garland ahead because I think the fact that he has deferred to Mitchell to a large extent this year I'm not saying you, but maybe has collectively made us forget like, oh, yeah, this guy was a 22 or whatever he was last year, a 22 year old all star doing like basically all the things and and the passing like that's all still there. He just has unselfishly and to his own detriment as a brand or, you know, all of that stuff has kind of, got, you know, taken a step back. But I it's whatever. That's a great point. He He's done it so willingly. Oh, my God. Like He has so willingly been like, yeah, Donovan Mitchell, your team when he was like. Not only like he just got a max contract. He was you the know? guy. Like he, he was the guy. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, the guy on on a team that didn't make the playoffs, but like only because they lost in the play in tournament. That was a team that was that was top four, top five in the league last year until they had all their injuries at the end of the year. They fell to seven and lost in the play in tournament. Still finished over 500. And it was a really young team that finished over 500. Uh, and, and before they thought got Mitchell, I thought they were going to turn into a playoff team this year, in part because Garland is is such a good player. Like he's only he's only getting better. He, he is. He is really, really good. He's I really think he's become a, a fabulous passer this year. His his ability. To to find guys in the corner when he gets to the middle is superb. He's great at hitting his role man. Like he he is just a he's not just he he's a really good scorer and he's a great pull up shooter, uh, which is going to be a huge problem for the. I don't know if it's going to be a problem for the Knicks, but it's going to be a huge focus for the Knicks defense. And Garland is uh, he's really good, but um, you know Mobley is just a game changer defensively like that. They were number one in the league in points allowed per possession for a reason. And it's, it's Mobley and the guy who's number six for me, Jared Allen. 
Okay, so this is probably going to be another flip flop. I have Allen seven, and I have quickly six. And I know I'm putting Emmanuel quickly over a guy who made the All Star team last year. Um, I think Emmanuel quickly is that good, and that I was going to say important, but I'm skipping ahead to our next thing. I just think Emmanuel quickly is that good, and he's elevated himself. And again, talk about a guy who. How would we be now? This is, I think, a little bit clearer in terms of like Garland is an is an initiator, is a generator. Quickly, if he had his own, if he didn't have to defer to Brunson or Randall, would his numbers look better? Sure, his numbers would look better, but he also wouldn't be, I think, nearly as impressive because he benefits so much from being able to be on the floor with those guys in addition to running second units. Um, do you have quickly seven? Yeah, I have quickly seven. Okay. I just uh, honestly, my. I didn't think it was that far apart, but okay. my tiebreaker was just like Jared Allen is an all-star who had a great year and, you know, quickly he's had an excellent year and I think is probably going to win six man of the year, but it's just like, you know, okay. Tie goes to the all-star. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award regardless of the severity of your injury and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You've got New Year's goals and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. Looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year? Cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how easy, fun, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your own kitchen. With fast and fresh recipes, HelloFresh's latest line of meals features 
featuring robust flavors and filling portions are ready in less than 15 minutes. Enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like falafel power bowls, seared steak and potatoes with béarnaise sauce, or Southwest pork and bean burritos. If you're like me and just don't have time for food shopping, let the groceries come to you. Don't hesitate. Head to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool50 and use code FilmSchool50 for 50% off plus your first box ships free. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool50 and use code FilmSchool50 for 50% off plus your first box ships free. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. So we're really pretty in lockstep with one another through seven. Yeah, I think this is where it might shake up a little bit. I have Josh Hart eighth. Oh, okay. We might have a little flip flop here. I have Mitchell Robinson eight and I have Josh Hart nine. (laughs) This is funny. Yeah, I have I have Josh Hart eighth. I have Mitchell Robinson nine. Um. You know what our lists are like? Our lists are like the the first and second round of the draft with a flip. The picks just invert. The pictures invert. I, I actually felt Mitchell Robinson. I, I fluctuated between, I didn't think about putting him eighth. I heart was a solid eight for me. Um, that really just didn't come out. Right. Um, I had trouble putting Mitch. I had him anywhere from like nine to 12 because, and I, I don't, I think there's more fluctuation with Mitchell Robinson, and especially since, like me and Benji talked about it when we recorded last night, like he hasn't been the best center on the Knicks for a month, a month and a half. I don't know, however long you'd say, but I do think again, given what he's capable of and what we've seen him do, and the fact that he loves to ride the D train or at least make jokes about it, um, I think a nine is an appropriate placement for him. Yeah, that's fair. I, I was more going off of, um, I guess, his ceiling. Okay. But you're right. I mean, Hart- Hartenstein has outplayed him for a month, and Hartenstein has closed a lot of games. And, and, and I think part of the reason Hartenstein has looked as good as he has is because he gets to go against bench units a lot of the time. One thing I think will be very interesting will be to see if the Knicks um, – Stagger Mitchell Robinson to play with the bench because one of the Cavs weaknesses is, is um, defensive rebounding when Jared Allen's not on the floor. We We, think of them as this big conventional team. Fred Benji, Benji nailed this last night. He was all over this point. Keep going, please. Oh God, I haven't listened to the podcast yet. That, well, it well, just dropped like literally being, an hour ago. So, am I being redundant? <laughs> no, no. I'm, it just confirms that two very smart basketball people who know what the fuck they're looking at when they watch tape have both identified the exact same issue for a team that you would not think has defensive rebounding issues because of their personnel, but they do. Right. Yeah. They they have defensive rebounding issues specifically when Jared Allen's off the floor. Like when it's Allen off the floor and Mobley on the floor, they're like 20th percentile on defensive rebound rate. And so what I think is going to be interesting is, okay, is I mean, look, Hartenstein's offensive rebounding numbers were fantastic this year. He was top 10 in the league in offensive rebound, maybe top five in the league in offensive rebound rate too. And Mitch was was number two behind Steven Adams. So is Hartenstein going to feast on the offensive boards in those moments? Like he, 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 he can't just be like good. He needs to feast. And if he's not feasting, Tibbs has shown a propensity to put 
Mitch with the bench unit at times in certain matchups that he likes. And I wonder if that's something that he's going to do because I wonder if he's just going to say like, all right, Mitch, you're going to guard Mobley deal with it. Like there are times where they'll put Mitch on, on power forwards of Mobley's ilk. You know, he's guarded Giannis. Like he's guarded guys who aren't just straight up centers, even though the Knicks don't really like mismatch him. Like I don't see them putting him on like Isaac Okoro and letting him know. Like I just, they don't play that way, but I could see them being comfortable with him on Mobley and just, just destroy them on the offensive glass. Hey, Mitch, Make sure when you are on the floor, we have a 35 to 40% offensive rebound rate when Jared Allen's off the floor. And and I don't think that's that's an ambitious ask. I don't think it's an absolutely insane ask, considering how great of an offensive rebounder he is and how good of an offensive rebounding team they are when he's on the floor. And by the way, those bench units that he would be a part of would also have Josh Hart and Emmanuel Quickly, who's very good at tracking down loose balls. And one, two other things. One, and I, this I won't step on what we just, what me and Benji talked about, but there's a lot of reasons to like Isaiah Hardenstein on both ends of the floor with the starters and particularly Jalen Brunson in how they are going to uh, try to cover Jalen Brunson on offense. And then, and this is what me and Benji talked about him, you know, coming up to the level of the screener. That's something we, I think Hardenstein's more comfortable with. And then the one other thing, who else? And this kind of, again, we're, we're, getting into maybe the next segment, but also potentially the next player on our list. I don't, I don't know um, who else is going to be at, uh, with those bench units, potentially RJ Barrett. And if there's one way that you could potentially use, utilize RJ Barrett in this series in a way that he's comfortable. Um, how about the lob connection that we haven't seen as much of uh, as the season has gone along, but like him and Mitchell Robinson, again, Evan Mobley might be, he's going to wind up maybe as a top three, old uh, defensive player of the year uh, person. But like, I wonder if that's something the Knicks would try to exploit. I don't know. Maybe RJ Barrett's not the next player on my list though. He's not the best player. Next player on mine either. Who's the next player on yours? Quentin Grimes. Me too. All right. So neither of us have RJ Barrett inside. We talk, of our- we talk too much. We talk to, we need more of a first take type of thing or like a, we need like a, we need like a skip and Shannon sharp deal. Like, like you need to just brutally insult me for something and then storm off. Like you have like, uh, like you have like, 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 like Karis Levert number two on your list. We both have Karis Levert low. Yeah, but I, I, and- I, I normally am like not a huge Karis Levert guy because he's just not efficient enough for me, but he hit 39% of his threes and still only had like a 52% effective field goal percentage. Like I've never been a huge Karis Levert guy, but I'm surprised that we both haven't named Karis Levert and we're number 10 right now. Are you more surprised that we haven't named Karis Levert or are you more surprised that we haven't named RJ Barrett? I'm not surprised we haven't named RJ Barrett. I know you. I've met you. I listen to your podcast. <laughs> You haven't named him either, and you're putting it on me. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not surprised by myself. I know what I'm thinking. <laughs> All right. Oh, man, I, I'm so surprised by what I've been thinking the whole time. No, I'm I, not surprised by that. Okay, I'll just say that okay, RJ Quint, Quentin Grimes is Quentin Grimes is obvious. Should we just move on to number 11? I feel like number 11 is interesting. Who's number yeah, 11? I, I just want to shout out your piece. Um so I, I don't know if this is a good thing. I purposely did not read your piece until this morning. One, because I've had a hectic last couple of days and I didn't have time. And I But I did want to read it before uh, you came on. And two, you nailed 
two of the same things that I wrote in today's newsletter, which is Quentin Grimes has been one of the best shooters from three over the last uh, three weeks of the NBA season. And two, that uh, the Cavs uh, don't give up any any threes and especially not not wide open threes. So we, we both doubled over on that. Um, yeah, Quentin Grimes is really good. I have R.J. Barrett 10 and or excuse me, I have R.J. Barrett 11 and Levert 12. I have Dean Wade 11. You really have Dean Wade 11. I have Dean Wade 11. Wow. That is Dean wild. Wade's really good. Yeah, Dean, Dean Wade really is good. solid, but Dean Wade's been hurt this year. Yeah. Yeah. Dean Wade's good, though. And Dean, Dean Wade is going to play. If we're talking about best players in a playoff series, I'm just going to pick the dudes who play two ways. Like, I'm going to pick the dudes who play good, good team basketball at two ways. Uh, so, so I put Dean Wade 11. Dean Wade is a really good role player. He'll knock down an open three. He guards well. He moves his feet incredibly well. He does. He's crazy hard. Uh, I, I I think Dean Wade will matter. Like he he is a. Is he healthy? make fun of him because he's. I don't know. We're just talking about best players. We're not most I, important players. So maybe I don't even want to. Uh, okay. I, I, I just thought. I just thought. We, like if we're ignoring Julius's health, I just thought it's, we were. No, it makes it makes perfect I just thought sense. We were no, it makes sense what players. you're doing. It is within the boundaries of the conversation. When I was doing the list, I'm like, well, Dean Wade hasn't really been right for the entire season. And then I think back to now that you're talking about it, I think back to a play earlier this year where Dean Wade stonewalled the guy that I just ranked ahead of Dean Wade, RJ Barrett, on a drive like it was nothing. Um, because Dean, Wade's Dean a Wade is defender. a good defender. He's a good People defender. People make jokes about Dean Wade because he's like, oh, D Wade. And he, he, you know, Zach Lowe sings the, the Dean Wade accountant song or whatever it is. Cause he looks like an accountant, but, but, but Dean Wade is very good. He's, he he's makes good very quick. Dis- you know who he is? He is the Cavs Obi Toppin, but he's better defensively. He does for the Cavs. What like Larry Nance used to do for the Cavs. Like he is. Quick decision maker can knock down a three. He's important one-on-one defender for them. He's a good team defender. Like he just does everything. He's a dude who will do well in a playoff series. He will do well in a playoff series as long as he's normal Dean Wade. Uh, I just, the guys who get played off the floor are the ones who have one massive deficiency and an important part of the game on either side of the floor. Oh, you can't guard in space. So maybe you get played off the floor. You can't shoot. Maybe get played off the floor like Dean Wade. So it's really important in a playoff series to just kind of be able to be solid at everything. Dean Wade is solid at anything you need him to be solid at. I, I, I think he's a good he's a good player. He's a really good bench. He's a really good bench forward. Let's say this if and again, we don't know how the series is going to transpire, but let's just say for argument's sake, Isaac Coro got gun shy. But I realize at- this is a hot take. It's well, yeah, but the way you no, I here's why it's not a hot. I think it is a hot take, but here's why it's not. Let's say Isaac Okoro gets gun shy, and Isaac Okoro is not someone who likes being left wide open possession after possession after possession with the instruction of like, listen, dude, you need to shoot it. This is how the offense is going to go, or he shoots it and it just doesn't go in. Then all of a sudden, if you're playing four and five on offense every possession, are we in a world where if Dean Wade, again, if he is healthy, if he's healthy, like, oh, wow, the Cavs played Dean Wade 35 minutes last night against the Knicks. Like, 
is that where we're headed? And I, that may not be ridiculous the, for the reasons you just um, opined upon. Um, okay, so who do you... My God. I had Dean Wade a little bit lower again because I... I whatever. Who do you have next on your list? Who do I have next on my list? I have next on my list rj barrett okay let's save uh, the conversation I, for rj barrett for the next let, segment let's say for most important yeah uh who do you have after rj after this rj now, i have this is now 13 for you i have a tie between Okoro and osman wow you're really low on karis levert <laughs> yeah i guess i just kind of put him down there for a fact because i didn't know what to do with karis levert but I guess Karis LeVert is probably there. I guess you're right. I guess it's Karis LeVert. You're right. It's Karis LeVert. He's kind of there, RJ. He's there, RJ. Let's go Karis LeVert. This is where we deviate. After LeVert at 12 for me, I had Hardenstein 13, Okoro um, 14, and then Obi 15, and then I guess Chetty Osman uh, 16 and Dean Wade 17. Dean Wade last. I was, if I had to, okay, redoing it, I would probably move him up two spots. But again, I'm like, he hasn't been as significant for them this year because he's been hurt. But that's my fault for. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I get that. And and Okoro, Okoro's been dealing with an injury too. Although he is, I feel pretty, I feel pretty confident that he's gonna. What is it? Risk with him? I feel pretty confident that he's gonna play. My thing with uh, with Jetty is. He gives them an element of shooting at the three when he's in. And that changes a lot about their offense when they have an extra shooter there instead of Okoro. He's kind of been their net rating king for the whole year. They were like five points per 100 better when he was on the floor, which isn't some insane number. It's not like a, a quickly sort of deal. But like I think you watch it and you're like, okay, that makes sense. He's another guy. Like He'll hit a corner three. He's, 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 um, he's a very confident shooter. He's had he's had a he's had a good year for them. He's been good for all this talk of they need a three, and it's not wrong. They definately could use like a more reliable three because they wrote data Coro and and Osman and 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 Levert and a bunch of other guys in there. Uh but but I, I think he's gonna be a player in the series too. I guess you could argue, I mean, kinda at this point, it's just like once you get to these guys, it's just so hard to rank who's better. Like you're talking about just like solid role players who are all dependent on context. Like, yeah, Hart Hartenstein could be at the top of this too. Like he's especially with the way that he's been playing for the last three months. Um, regarding Levert, I just feel and I got, I hope to God this is not the case. And again, this is something me and Benji touched on a little bit. Like Karis Levert could win the Cavs a game in this series. Like he has the capability to do that. And some of the other players that we're talking about in this range, I don't think quite, I mean, but then you, you could turn around and be like, Isaac Okoro could win them this series based on his, his perimeter defense. But then that gets into the next com conversation. No, you're um, right. You're right. That that's a great point. You're correct. We're going to go Levert. Um, and then last I have Obi. The disrespect. Is it the disrespect? He's the ninth man in their nine-man rotation. You did you name Lamar Stevens? No, I didn't name Lamar. I guess after him, I have Lamar Stevens. Um, I. You're gonna get a, a man. You're gonna talk about. Did you make this list we'll, with we'll these? Add, 
we'll add say, him. You, <laughs> add, add who? Stevens, because okay. Lamar the Marrier, you know. I can't believe I. You, wow, that's great. Um, yes, I made this list. Here's the thing: I made this list with the express intent of apparently pissing everybody off. I, I you make a list, you're gonna piss some people off. I mean, I don't know where where. Look, it was a lot. I'll be honest here. Put a lot more time into my most important list than I did into my best list. My best list, because I thought we were just kind of rolling off the best and being like, okay, that's it. And then, and then the most important, I put more time and thought into the best one. I was just like, all right, we'll put this guy here. I was like, oh, Dean Wade, that's fun. We'll throw him 12, you know? So, okay. That's really my disclaimer. It's, it's but fine. You can get pissed, I guess. I know what, look, I, I think it just speaks to the, the fact that there are people who see what Obi Toppin does in games in which he gets a lot of minutes and games that perhaps uh, because they take place at the end of seasons, um, you know, might, might not quite have as much, you might not be able to take as much from, uh, you know, when they, but they still right, think I one just, thing. Yeah. Sorry. I interrupted you. No, no, I no, hate when people interrupt people on podcasts and I just interrupted you. Sorry. Quite, please, right. please continue. I sir. had nothing else to say. It just speaks to, to what you think of, what Obi has done, maybe perhaps at the at the end of the season, at the, like the end of last season, anytime he's gotten more minutes. I just, even when we're talking about best player, I just struggle to evaluate anybody in a vacuum. Like it's not baseball, you know. It's not like like baseball is not a complete vacuum. You have to account, you know, you're you're evaluating a hitter. You have to account for, um, you know, luck and 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 what stadium they're playing in and all that kind of stuff but like it's a lot more of a vacuum than basketball is like basketball is a very very context-based sport that's why even when i used i don't play fantasy sports anymore but like when i was a kid and i would play fantasy sports all the time i wouldn't even play fantasy basketball because i just thought it was like so different from the actual sport whereas like football and baseball are so much more compartmentalized uh basketball is just so context dependent and I just struggle to remove myself from the context, which is we're operating in a world where Julius is healthy, which means we're operating in a world where Obi is getting 15 minutes. And it's really hard to be a series changing, excellent player when you're only playing 15 minutes. I just, that that's really my thought process there. Okay. And I just, I can't, I can't separate that. Like if LeBron, if we knew LeBron were only playing 15 minutes in a series, like I would, I would really struggle to put LeBron as the best player in the series. That's very, that's very fair. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. 
Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about Game Time. Is there an upcoming event you're trying to get tickets to? Whether it be tickets to one of the final home games of the Knicks season, or maybe it's a concert or a comedy show. Whatever it is, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for the fun you're going to have. Currently browsing through the Game Time app, and I see all the events coming up in the area. Whether it be the Knicks' first home playoff game against Cleveland, or maybe the Rangers' first home playoff game against the Devils, the Game Time app is so easy to navigate. You can search by category, like sports, music, or shows, or search by teams, like the Yankees, Islanders, or Knicks. I have to say that my favorite feature is the full 3D peripheral view you get whenever you select a seat. Just select a seat that's within your price range, move the phone from left to right and get a good idea of the view you'll have during the event. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Game time is also the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. And for a good reason. As I mentioned, get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps and you're set. Tickets are then sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code FILMSCHOOL for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem code FILMSCHOOL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's do most important, which is the thing we were supposed to spend the majority of the time on, and and now we've kind of cut ourselves short. What? Let me ask you this: How did you go into this? What was your what was your way of deciding how to rank most important players? My thought process was: Let's assume the series goes seven. If it goes seven and somebody wins on a buzzer beater in game seven, who are we going to look at and be like, that's the guy who changed the series, or that's the matchup that won them the series? Not necessarily like who hit the game winner, but if the series is as close as it can possibly be, what is the thing that was like, okay, that changed it for the winning team. That's why they won. Did you do it relative to the last question that I'm going to get to actually who you have? Did you do it relative to expectations? For instance, if we look back on the series and be like, wow, Jalen Brunson is might be the best, you know, the best player on a championship team. Um, but he's already Jalen Brunson versus like uh, uh, Dean Wade, right? Like doing going far and above what most people, not you, most people would expect from D. So how did you reconcile that? Yes. No, I definitely did it relative to expectations. If only because the lists would be too similar and that would be good podcasting. Okay. Who's your number? Who's your most important player in the series? My most important player is two people. 
Weiss and Rosenblum. That that Weiss and Rosenblum report better be clean for Julius Randle. Uh, I think it's I think it's clear that the most important thing for either team in this series is Julius Randle's health. Now, if Julius Randle is healthy, they still might lose. The Cavs are really good. By the way, the Cavs are like this exercise doesn't really give us an opportunity to talk about the Cavs like as a team. The Cavs are a really good four seed. Like they were yeah. s- number one in the league in defensive rating, second in the league in point differential per, per possession. Like this, this team does not have the analytical profile of a number four seed. And by the way, because the East is so much better at the top than the West, I think you can make an argument that the Cavs, yeah, the Cavs are fourth in the East. And I, I think the Cavs are the fourth best team in the East. But I think you can make an argument they're a top five team in the NBA. Like they're, they are really good. And, and, and I don't think if they get to the second round, they would beat Milwaukee, but they'll fight with Milwaukee because those are the two teams with the best rim protection in the NBA. Uh, the best, best co-rim protectors in the NBA. I, 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 the Cavs are, are really, really good. The Knicks need everything they can get. And if they don't have Julius Randle, if they don't have his 25 and 10, if they don't have his nine, three point attempts a game, if he's not able to get hot and have 38 and win him a game, or if he plays and he toughs it out because he's Julius and that's what he does. He is really tough and he wants to play every single game as has been well chronicled. I, I think if Julius, you know, just knowing knowing how he thinks, I, I think if he can walk, he's going to be insistent on playing. That's what I think, because that's just how he's wired. Uh, and if you know he if he plays. But it's like, man, he can walk, but barely. Knicks are like, I just don't see how the Knicks can win that series. I agree with you. Um, Not to bring it back to another team that you've covered, but like regarding the whole Cavs being the four seed thing. When people think of four seeds, I think they think of teams like the Washington Wizards from yest of yesteryear. Like that was a normal ish four seed in many seasons. Um, this is not that. This is a team that I think there's an argument that if they were in the West, they would be the number one seed in the West. Um, even you look back in some recent years in the East when like the pre-Kawhi Raptors, they were like the number one seed, I think at least one year. Like this team is better than that team. Um, so the seeding means very little. Uh, number one. Number two, I don't know how there's any argument that this is not the most important thing in the series. And that's kind of why I was pushing you a little bit on the OB thing, because I do think that there is a sentiment out there amongst some folk <laughs> that Julius, like, like he's not that he's but like his reintroduction could have as many negatives as it does positives. And like, on one hand, I, I look, I get it. I get it. I get the mindset. I get it. But I just go with you. They're not winning this series without Julius Randle being at least somewhat healthy. I just don't see how it's possible. I just I, I just don't. Yeah. The other part of it is like no one talks about Randle in this fashion because he's not some all world defender. Yeah, I, I actually know. think Julius Randle's defense is going to be so important in this series if he's Absolutely. healthy. Because I don't know how they're going to guard Evan Mobley otherwise. Like, I don't know how they're going to do it. They're going to struggle because the the problem is like, you're probably going to match up Obi on Mobley 
which is going to be a tongue twister of a matchup. And you're going to have to deal with Mobley setting screens for Mitchell and Garland over and over again and putting Obi in pick and rolls. And against a good offense, and we just talked about the Cavs pull up two shooters, Garland 39% on a high volume of pull up threes, Mitchell 39% on a high volume of pull up threes. And by the way, it's not just that they take pull up threes, that team sets screens like 28 feet out. And so what you have to do is like you, your guards can't go over those screens because if you if you try to fight over those screens, you're just giving them 28 feet of downhill. And, and if that's against Obi in a pick and roll, like even if that's against a good like a really good pick and roll defender, like that's just a lot to handle. You just give them a free lane to the basket, basically. So you got to fight under those screens at 28 and like Mitchell will pull up from there. And he'll hit it like he'll it's not like he'll pull up and it's just some crazy decision. It's a good shot. Garland, too. I mean, Garland last year was over 40 on long pull up threes. Uh, So so I just I wonder how they're going to guard Mobley as a team. I wonder how they're going to guard Mobley individually. And if Tibbs doesn't trust Obi, which we know that in big moments, he's shown that he doesn't trust him enough to play him heavy minutes. All right. Who stands in at the four? Because Josh Hart. They like it the four and they really believe can play the four, but Hart's really physical and he plays really hard and he's obviously an amazing rebounder and all those sorts of things. But that's just a really, really big size advantage. And and sometimes the size advantage can disrupt a guy, but like he can get up under him and I'm sure they'll just tell Hart, just beat the living crap out of him, set a exactly. baseline where you're beating the crap out of him. So that way, when you continue to beat the crap out of him, it's not necessarily going to be a call like a, like a foul, like just dream on green, defend him, you know? Uh, but but that's tough with that size advantage. Mobley is a good passer. He's gonna he might be able to pass over him, might be able to find shooters, he might be able to just if he gets into the paint off the ball, like he might just be able to score over him. So that'll be interesting. So so this uh, is, Julius's defense on Mobley, just the size is gonna be important. I, I think I just it's a couple of things. One, if you're a Cavs offense and you see Jalen Brunson and Obi Toppin and we'll we'll probably mention him soon, RJ Barrett out there on the floor at once you're walking into I mean you're walking into the Easter buffet room and it's like okay who am I pulling into the action or do I even need to pull anyone into the action because you're like there's just how many you got Quentin Grimes as your perimeter defender that is like worth worth a damn um that's one and two I don't I'm more bullish on how effective Hart's going to be able to be matched up against Mobley, I think, than you are. That said, if Julius is really hurt, and like, let's just say he isn't effective for the entire, or he, he's out for the series, or he's not effective at all in the entire series, and like, I feel like the more experience Mobley has with that matchup with Hart, the better he's going to be able to be at figuring out ways to take advantage of it. So the longer it goes, but again, I, as I'm talking about it, even, like, let's say Randall maybe misses game one, and he's back for game two, whatever it is, I think he's coming back. So I'm not I'm not as worried about that in a small sample size. You know, but again, you you know, these these are it's a seven game series, but it's still a short series. Um okay. Who's yeah. your second? The other, most, the other what, part yeah. of by the way, Randall being the most important. We just did our list of best players, right? Yep. If Randall is playing and healthy, we both yep. believe the Knicks have two of the best three players in the series. 
Yep. You can win a series where you, I, I know this is simplistic and I don't oh. always love it when people do this, but, but just for argument's sake, you can win a series when you have two of the best three players in the series, even if you don't have the best, if Randall is unable to play or is just like really hurt and not himself, uh, then the Cavs have four of the five best players in the series in our mind. And that is real difficult to overcome. And we haven't even discussed, by the way, in terms of importance with Randall, what might be different from the Hawk series a couple of years ago wow. uh, and, and how he learned from that situation and, and how Jalen Brunson as an outlet might be able to help him if, if he gets doubled and swarmed and, and, and the ability to make, you know, maybe quicker decisions in those situations. So a lot with Randall, very, he's also the most interesting player in the series. I think whatever, whatever your adjective is most uh, that comes after most Randall's Randall's probably appropriate uh, to fill in there. So then who's number two for you? Number two for me is, uh, I don't know. I got quirky with these. I tried to make it different from the, uh, from the, from the, from the best player list. Uh, I have number two is Donovan Mitchell or Jalen Brunson. Who's going to be the best player in this series? Cause okay. I, I think there's a pretty good chance. I think Donovan Mitchell had the better regular season. I think if I had to pick one to win a game today, Mitchell would be my guy would be my guy. You talked about how Brunson went to Cleveland and roasted Mitchell. I don't disagree with that, but guess what Mitchell did on that night? Roasted Brunson. I mean, he went for 45 too. Like, let's not forget. He had like, he had, he had what? 968 points in the first quarter of that game. So like he was, yeah. yeah. And he was, he was 96 for 96. Like it was, it was crazy. Uh, it was, it was it was an absolutely ridiculous performance from Mitchell too. Those guys both have this insane ability to go off. And if one of them just like, like we've seen Mitchell go crazy in playoff series, like that, that series against Denver a few years ago when he and he and Jamal Murray were just going nuts at game after game. And it was just like 50 piece, 50 piece in the bubble. Like we, We've seen Mitchell have his bad playoff moments like we did last year against Brunson. And we've seen Mitchell have unbelievable playoff series too, where like he averaged 36 a game in that series. Like they lost that series, but he averaged 36. It wasn't because of him. They averaged 36 a game. He averaged 36 a game in a playoff series against a team that ended up going to the Western Conference Finals. So I, I, Mitchell has the ability to be the best player in the series, but Brunson does too. I mean, We've we've seen him average like twenty seven a game after after January on incredible shooting and and if he can be the best player in the series, then the Knicks can win the series also. I think if Mitchell is the best player in the series by maybe not a comfort even it doesn't have to be by a comfortable degree, but if like we look at the series at the end of it and be like, Yeah, Donovan Mitchell was the best guy, there's not really a real way to argue that he wasn't. I don't see Cleveland losing the series. I think there was a world where we could look back and say, you know what? Jalen Brunson was the best player in that series and the Knicks still lose the series because I think there is more variance on the Knicks side than there is on the Cavs side, which is what I think I said in a, a Substack chat the other day, which is like, I think the Cavs may only have the seventh or eighth highest ceiling in the league. But I think they have, what do they have? Like the second, third highest floor of any team in the league. Maybe that's being a little generous, but like it's a high floor. Whereas the Knicks, especially with the Randall uncertainty, 
I think you could argue that they ha- they have maybe a higher ceiling than the Cavs, but I also think that they have a, a considerably lower floor than the Cavs. And I'm not I for some reason that point made sense in my mind to say in conjunction with this Brunson Mitchell. I somehow in my mind these two things are related and I don't I can't explain it in words. Um I feel obligated before because we do have a, an outcoming. I feel like we have to at least talk about RJ Barrett. Was RJ Barrett on your list of most important players? And where was he? K- kind of. Um, em- Emmanuel Emmanuel quickly was number four for me. Okay, but but it was kind of like Emmanuel quickly slash RJ Barrett slash Isaiah Hartenstein. Uh, and the wow. answer is can you, can you guess what the connection is? The the Harden. I mean, I could probably fumble my way through it, but why don't you just say it? The answer is who's going to be the outlet when they trap Jalen Brunson. Oh, okay. Uh, and I think that is going to be a huge thing because if Jalen Brunson is the best or second best or even third best player in this series, there are going to traps are going to come. And I think one thing that we could potentially see as late in close games is just matchup hunting on both sides. Like I could see Cleveland yeah, trying to run screens over and over again to get Mitchell or Garland onto Brunson and then they attack. I could see the Knicks doing the same thing because that's what they like to do and get Mitchell onto or, or Garland onto Brunson or sorry, the other way around. Maybe I said it the other way, whatever. I think you can probably figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to speak anymore. It's a problem. <laughs> uh, Me and you both. But yeah, the Cavs could run, try to get, you know, Brunson onto Mitchell. The Knicks could do the opposite. And, and by the way, I think that's why this has one of the many reasons why this has the potential to be the best series in the first round, just as a basketball fan. Like, it's two well-coached teams, two teams that play really hard, two teams that have a really distinct identity, and, and their identities are totally in conflict, basically in lockstep, right? Like the Knicks' offensive identity is we are, it's an onslaught of the rim. We're trying to get to the, the paint. We're trying to get to the free throw line. And the Cavs' defensive identity is there's no freaking way you're getting to the rim. Like, that's a fun matchup. If if late in the close game you have Brunson trying to trying to rig the defense so that Mitchell is guarding him, and then he goes at Mitchell, and then after he scores, you have Mitchell trying to rig the defense so that Brunson is guarding him, and then he goes at Brunson. Like that's awesome playoff basketball. Like when two guys just go at it like that, and they're both amazing competitors. Like I I just. I think it could be really fun. But anyway, the Cavs will, if and when Brunson starts to go off, or maybe even before, they're going to throw a million different coverages at Brunson, as will the Knicks at Mitchell. They threw a million different coverages at Mitchell during that game a couple of weeks ago when they played in Cleveland and won. But Tibbs' big thing is when the double team comes, you just want to get off the ball. And Tibbs' bigger thing is the way you beat a trap is with the second pass, not the first. Yes. And what is going to happen? So so I think closing, like when they close games, I think Emmanuel quickly is going to be incredibly important because we've seen times where Jalen Brunson gets trapped or even gets pressured late in games and Tibbs is used quickly and it's worked. And we've seen times where he's opted to go without quickly and the offense is kind of stalled. And I think later in the year, he started to go with quickly more. Uh, if they start to trap... Uh, Brunson during games, like how is RJ going to handle this? Like, I also think RJ is incredibly important from how are they going to guard him perspective? Like, yeah. are they, 
Are they going to sag off of him? Uh, you are think? they going to? But like, like when I say sag, I mean like, like, like are they going to? Are they going to? Are they going to Russell Westbrook him? Uh, and Would if you? they do, what do you say? Would you? Fred, he's shot. He's made a if quarter. Maybe of, he's made a quarter of his yeah. threes over the last two and a half months. Yeah, but he he's a little bit of a better cutter when he's not getting guarded. So, like, you'll see, you'll see. Like, yes, I would, but I wouldn't just totally ignore him because one thing that RJ will do, for example, a lot of times you'll see teams double Julius with RJ's man and rj has gotten really good at that little like that little very tepid cut to the nail and then julius will find him there and then rj is pretty good at going to the rim and even his decision making is a little bit better there because like mitch is right in his line of sight so it's not really a difficult read so he either goes to the rim maybe he'll lob to mitch like he's gotten he's gotten better at that kind of stuff so i wouldn't just like not guard him but in those moments when they happen, like RJ's got to knock down his threes, at least at an acceptable rate, like a 30 something percent rate. And if the, if the lane is also wide, if the lane is wide open and you just don't guard him, RJ is so strong that like, I know they have unbelievable rim protection. It, it's still difficult to guard a guy who has 20 feet to be able to go you know, get to 60 miles per hour and it's difficult. Like, like you're going to worry about Allen or Mobley getting into foul trouble in that way. Um, or just RJ potentially, you know, scoring around the rim. And for what it's worth, he has not been able to knock down a jumper, but he's been good inside the arc for the last, you know, however many games, like he's been good as long as he makes the right decisions. So it's it, it that, that he's definitely important, but I also kind of feel like we know what, like if RJ comes out and is just like not playing well, I just don't think he's I think he's going to play 20 minutes. I, that's my number two. I think that's the number. And Benji said last night, 25, like Tibbs has the option to get him down to 25 if he's not playing well because he has all these other guys. And I think it's 20. And I don't think it's crazy that if he's not playing well, that there's a world where we could see multiple games, especially as the series goes on, where the number is under 20. Um, I also think that there is a world where all of the RJ stands who want to, you know, murder people like me and you for having the audacity to have him outside of the top 10 of our best players in the series list will be crowing something fierce after the series and be like, see, that's why we never gave up on this kid because he showed up big time and he was the difference in the series for all of the reasons that you just said in the opportunities that he will have to make a difference in myriad ways. Um, certainly on the offensive end, I'm, I'm worried a little bit more on, on defense, but we've, we've seen him block in defensively at times since the all-star break. I hope we see that again. Um, the only other thing I want to, to throw to be out clear, there, by yeah. the way, I'm not, I'm not giving up on RJ. Yeah, like, no, I know, you're not. I know you're not. Yeah. And he's averaged 20 a game, two years in a row. He has shown the ability to be really good at the rim at times. He has these moments where he gets crazy hot. I'm just like, you're worried about the inefficiency in a playoff series. You're worried about the lack of a jump shot in the playoff series. You're worried about the decision-making once he hits the paint in a playoff series. Is he going to be able to find guys and spray the ball out to the perimeter? And, and 
you know, I'm, 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 you know, you're worried about the inconsistency. You know, he is when he's hot, he's going to play, but he, he gets really cold sometimes. And he's not just inconsistent game to game. Like he's just what he'll come out in a first half and just be like, what was that half from RJ? And they'll come out in the second half and he'll be like the best player on the floor. Like what happened at halftime? You know? So it's, it, that's difficult to figure out going into a series. Yeah. Um, a hundred percent. I, if you gave me, you know, betting odds right now, or if you made betting odds right now between, again, we're assuming full health for Randall. Um, if you gave me betting odds right now for quickly, uh, quickly heart RJ and, uh, Grimes for who closes you know, the majority of the games, I think, RJ, I don't know what the odds would be, but I think RJ would have the longest odds. Um, again, sitting here right now, which is the last thing I wanted to say, which I think Quentin Grimes. And again, I'm, I'm kind of piggybacking off of how um, Benji ended the pod last night by saying, like, I asked him if the Knicks win this series, who's the guy you think you're going to think of when the, when after the series is over? And he said, Quentin Grimes, I think there's a world where Quentin Grimes averages Double digit three point attempts in this series. I think they need him to average that many three point attempts, assuming he gets it. But it's a chicken or egg thing. I was about to say, if he gets the minutes, well, if he's firing away from three, he's probably going to get the minutes, especially with what he could do defensively. And like, do we have, are there going to be a multiple games where we look up and it's the fourth quarter and it's like Quentin Grimes just had five threes in the fourth quarter, you know? And I think. Again, for all the reasons you very eloquently expressed, um, the outlet will be there because they will trap Brunson and it's the next pass. Well, guess who's going to be able to get that next pass a lot of the time? Quentin Grimes. He may only have a sliver of space, may only have a sliver, but on this in this series, that's that's going to have to be enough. Um, that's the only other thing I wanted to say. Yeah, no, that's true. And one something that yeah, I mean, you referenced it earlier. I wrote about it. Um, on on Monday morning, just about Grimes is Grimes is on a crazy hot streak from three right now. He's shooting forty eight percent from deep over his last nine games. He's taking ten attempts a game. He's he's been really 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 good from three, and I think that's just so important for them. Sometimes he has a tendency to rush his threes. He could be wide open, and he could just catch the ball, and he could just go up so quick. Uh, he's playing with with a nice a nice patience right now. Uh, and that's going to be really important. And another thing that I wrote there is like, everyone talks about the Cavs rim protection and the Cavs rim protection is as good as everybody says. Mobley is awesome. Allen is awesome. That is going to be real tough for the Knicks, but the Cavs also are really good at guarding the three point arc. They're just an extremely good defense and you're not going to get a ton of open threes against them which means you got to capitalize on the ones that you do. I mean, sometimes we talk so much about like, how will so-and-so respond to this? And how will this guy respond to that? But like, sometimes the answer is just like, just play better. Like when you have an open three, hit the freaking open three. Like we're talking about like how RJ is going to do stuff. It's like, well, you know what? It might just come down to, is RJ going to hit 35% of his threes or not? And with Grimes, it might come down to, is Grimes going to hit 40%? from his of his threes or, or is he not and there's a realistic chance he might 
I, I like it. Um, that's a great place to leave this as uh, my Wi-Fi has decided to stop working and I just watched Fred in the Matrix for the last two minutes. But I'm sure whatever he said was very intelligent. <laughs> Because he's Fred Katz. It was terrible. It was ter- it was terrible. <laughs> um, Fred, it was awful. Uh, let, let can you? I I hope this is not talking over what Fred is saying. Um, can you let the folks at home know where they could find you and your stuff before we have to enter unceremoniously exit? Yes, you can read me at the Athletic. You can follow me on Twitter at Fred Katz. Uh, I will have a lot of Cavs stuff out this week. I'll have a piece coming out uh, Wednesday morning. Um, just about kind of something we've discussed in this podcast about, about how the Knicks offensive identity is, we are going to attack the rim and the Cavs offensive identity is, or defensive identity is you are not allowed to attack the rim. And, uh, I'll have a big, a big series preview coming out on Thursday. And as of now, I think I'm going to write something with Kelsey Russo, who covers the Cavs for us, does a great job, covers the Cavs for us in, uh, at the athletic in Cleveland. And, uh, I'm probably going to co-write something with her on Friday. And then, um, you know, I'll, normally I don't do game stories, that kind of stuff in the regular season, but I'll maybe writing off every game and next day pieces. I mean, I'll be, I'll be right. My, my cadence will be, will be way up. So if you want to read about the Knicks, there will be a lot of terrible writing for you to look at. Awesome. And you uh, should subscribe to John's <laughs> newsletter. Can I, John, I know you have to go. I know I you have really the health have inspector coming. <laughs> What's up? Can I, can I say something for 15 seconds? 15 seconds. Yes. I, I just think Knicks fans should know how lucky they are to have this podcast. Oh, Not like it. with me on it. I mean, like to have to have you, your your post game uh, monologues on the post game shows. Your monologues to begin the post game shows are so consistently spot on and great. Your ability to formulate. See, see, I'm I'm saying nice things with with your kid right there. I wish you could I, hear me. Yeah, I wish you could hear you. Right. I wish you could hear you. They're they're so great. Like. Like there, that's a real talent to be able to formulate that kind of thought and organize your thoughts that quickly immediately after the game and express them so eloquently and so well. You're just like, you're like, you're like, you're like, you're like Michael Wilbon. Like Michael Wilbon is legendary for being able to write a column. He can just put on, a, he can just start writing a column and in 20 minutes he can write it just start to finish. And that's his column. And that's it. And for me, I'm like moving stuff around, taking forever. And, and just like your, your ability to do that. I just think it's extraordinary. I think Knicks fans should know how good you are and how lucky they are to have you and that fan pods are not like this. They're not like this. So that's, that's all I'm saying. I see, I, I hate you for this because normally this is where I would go on a soliloquy about how one, how undeserved that is. And two, how great you are, what you do, but I don't have time because my wife and child are here and nah, I just am, go. That's a good I, way I am, to end it. That's I a good am 10 way to minutes end off it. my, past my limit. All right. Everybody go subscribe to the athletic and read Fred Katz. Fred Katz is amazing. Um, He's amazing. And uh, we are, again, so, so, so lucky that he's able to come on here and do this. I would assume that the next time we speak to you will be after this series, whether it is uh, after the next season is over or it's just before the next series. We'll see. Fingers crossed. But until then, uh, Fred Katz, you're the man. And uh, everybody else, thanks for checking out another episode of the Next Film School podcast. We'll be back with you very soon. Peace out.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.